Hello again, Broncos country, and welcome to a special summer July edition of the Orange Weekly Podcast. We at Orange Weekly were sick and tired of waiting till August for football, and we also didn't want to make any crazy assumptions about how our team's going to be based on what's going on in training camp. So we put our collective heads together, and we decided we're going to bring you football in July. Each and every week, we're going to have a different guest on our show talking about the upcoming schedule. This week, we'll talk about the first four games, and our guest, we are so excited to have him on, and man, was it fun to record this. He is a hilarious guy, definitely not as mean as his Twitter followers think he is, Mario Vitanzi, also known as Mile High Mario, here with us today to talk a little bit about our upcoming schedule. So, as always, sit back, relax, and enjoy this special season of the Orange Weekly Podcast. Orange Weekly, fans, brews, and Broncos news. All right, well, welcome everybody to the Orange Weekly Podcast. We're super excited. We have Mile High Mario here with us uh, today to talk about our new segment. We're going to call it Football in July. We're going to be going over the season this this July. Each and every week, we'll go over a couple games and, and kind of get an idea of what we're looking at. And, and today, again, we have Mario. Mario, you want to give us a quick, maybe like a 30-second elevator speech of, uh, of who you are and, um, and, and what you do? Yeah, man, I'm just some guy on Twitter that's trying to harass people less nowadays. Um, yeah, but it. in my free time, uh, you know, I try and work on people and take their pain away. I consider myself a professional healer, body worker, manual therapist, all that good stuff. And every once in a while, you know, I have a run in with a Bronco here and there. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Mostly just uh, some guy. Yeah, just some yeah. fire takes I'm, I'm on mostly, Twitter. I'm yeah. mostly just friends. You know, I've, I've just ridden the coattails of Benjamin Albright, really. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't know, man. That's like you, you said Jared's had the elevator cell. That was the elevator undersell right there. <laughs> yes. Masterfully done. Very well. Hey, man, yes. you got to undersell, and you always leave them wanting more. That's, That's the key true. to right. the elevator cell. That's there true. you go. That's true. Right. That's what, and then they yeah. show up, and they're like, wow, this is so much better than what I thought. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, as, long as, as long as people think that when they come into my office, I'm just going to rub snake oil on them and then say, <laughs> bibbity bobbity boo and they're good. So then when I actually do something, they're like, you know what? This guy is actually, oh, you know, he's not, he's not too bad. Total bonus. I, I, I've had that happen. Like, people just through Twitter have come in, and they're like, well, you're actually like pretty good at what you do. I'm like, thanks. Like, Didn't they're shocked. Like, so you are just surprised. a Twitter name. Yeah, exactly. Didn't I see that on Twitter? Name the worst compliment you've ever gotten. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that might be it. You're actually not that bad. <laughs> or it's like you're way nicer in person than you are on Twitter. And I'm like, I'm trying to be nicer on Twitter. I go after <laughs> so few people now. And what I do, it's really broad. And no one knows who exactly I'm talking about. <laughs> Listen, we all try and be better people on Twitter these days. It's not always possible, but we're all trying right that's true we we're, yeah. we're part of the collaborative effort that's right and now it is kind of difficult it definitely oh is football in july i think we said something earlier david you said something along the lines of man everybody's got the hot takes of what's going on with our team with the l- most little information possible in, in the that's month it. of july and and so all we're trying to do is just talk some ball with you guys like we don't want to tell you that we know what's going to happen this season that we, these are these are not ironclad prognostications here guys 
we're just going to tell you a little because we're, we're, you don't want to wait until August. Honestly, that's the bottom line here. Waiting till August sucks. And football in July is better. So let's give the people what they want. <laughs> talking about, we talked about pandering before the show because you guys are wearing the Vitanzi therapy hoodies. We're going to pander to their to their needs. Absolutely. That's what, yes. that's what we're going to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're just straight pandering. <laughs> and not to their pessimism. I want to be very clear about that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. We we are going to we're going to finish this uh football in July and I, and if I don't say we're going 16 and 0, I'm probably doing something wrong. So Absolutely. Yeah. I'm really <laughs> are doing something wrong cuz we would be 17 and 0. That's mm. Mm, he's got you. Look at that. Man, Look at that right it's, off the bat. I'm already yeah, I'm already wrong. Hey, we're it. at the start of football. Yeah, just in <laughs> if you keep saying it by the end of football in July, we're going to have problems. It does yeah. still feel weird that there's a 17 game season cuz you see people now are like, "Oh, we're like this team's going to go 7 and 10," but then like my mind sees it as they're going to win either 7 or 10 games like somewhere in that range. <laughs> right. It's like, "No, that's their that's what they're guessing is record, which is dumb, but we could get into that yeah. later." Let's, yeah. And we will probably repeatedly. Um before we get into <laughs> the actual season cuz this is the first time we've been in on the air since if you have to call it Aaron Rodgers news this week, I guess we should <laughs> since Aaron Rodgers said, "I don't know, we'll see." to the question of whether he was going to be playing. For I ran way too season. much into that. I don't know about uh, yeah, you guys. Oh, wow. You know, like, let's just not. Because <laughs> we got absolutely no information. So... And I tell you right now, right now, the Twitter feed is all about every word he says while he's out on the golf on the golf course right now getting ready for his match. Every single, like, like break... He paused before he said something. It's like, guys, come on. We got to... <laughs> Pump the brakes a little. Aaron Rodgers is one of the best people in the NFL at saying absolutely nothing when he wants to and using as many words as he wants to to say it. So, you know, we're just trying to parse anything we can from a guy who is absolutely laughing at you while you're doing it. Oh, yeah. Well, and honestly, I think the funniest thing is, and I get a lot of people, you know, the people that come into my office, they see I have some Broncos stuff. This is now like for weeks the only thing that people will ask me about, they don't even ask me about like Drew Locke versus Teddy Bridgewater. They don't ask me about all the receivers. They don't ask me about Justin Simmons. They ask me about Aaron Rodgers. And I'm like the same guy who's coming to see me every week for two months. Same thing. As soon as he gets on the table, so what's new with Aaron Rodgers? Nothing, man. Literally the same thing for the last <laughs> two months. And here's the thing. Like people are trying to break down what Aaron Rodgers is saying, what Aaron Rodgers is doing. That man wants out like we know he wants to come here. It's yeah. not up to him. Right. But the right. crazy but, thing is like Green Bay said they're not going to trade him. So stop trying to prognosticate what you think Rodgers is saying. He wants to come here. Yeah, it's not up to him in any way. Just there's nothing to know until there's something to know, guys. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and, and there's I, been man. nothing to know for months. Right. The same months. nothing to know. Yeah. And honestly, it's going to be nothing to know until something actually happens. It's going to be there's going to be no lead up to it. But you know what we do know? is that the Broncos start their season against the New York Giants this September. I can't actually remember the date. You see, now we're going to have to edit this out. Making <laughs> uh, no, more work for me. No, this yeah. is indicative of what it is, is you're talking football in July. It's okay that you don't know the date. You That's don't need to yet. And I got very riled up during that whole Aaron Rodgers bit there. That was, that was a whole <laughs> just, lot. just threw um, you off a little bit. Yeah, really, really. Uh, September 19th, New York Giants, Broncos at the Meadowlands. Fellas, what do you think? We've got a, a decent, an interesting matchup here. You know, the, the national media is going to be talking about the quarterbacks for the Broncos up until, you know, Aaron Rodgers, no Aaron Rodgers, Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke. That's what the conversation is going to be centered around. 
what annoys me is that there's this just national media consensus about how terrible Drew Locke is. Everybody's just on that train now. There's there's no possible path to redemption. He's the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. But there's some odd Daniel Jones supporters sect out there. And it's not me even so much a sect of supporters. It's just like this undercurrent of, well, he could be a surprise this year. Oh, he could be a guy who really turns it around. And I just don't see why you see that from one guy and not the other. So let's start there. What do you guys think, maybe as far as Daniel Jones goes, do you think of him as a guy who really could show some other gear this season? Or, or do you think there's a little bit more hype about him just because he deep passes occasionally very well and does nothing else? Go ahead, Jared. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm like kind of with you on this one, David. I, I think the Daniel Jones-Drew Locke comparison is actually pretty similar. And I think the only difference is, is that Daniel Jones is has more, I mean, he has more starts under his belt, doesn't he? Does he not? He And that's the other thing. I was looking at this the other day. He's played in less than, he had played 14 games last season. He had an injury right. the season before. So even his starts to Drew, he's had more starts than Drew Locke by about eight. But it, it's still a sample size where you go, this is a guy who turns the ball over a ton. He doesn't throw right. a ton of touchdowns. He doesn't make a ton of plays with his legs. You know, he's got some rushing ability, but you know, nothing special, certainly. Why is he getting this this possible, uh, you know, this possible hype that he could suddenly improve this season? I wonder, like, it, it has to be because of where he was drafted, right? Mm, yeah. So explain to me why a guy who, like, like Daniel Jones, who has been worse than Drew Locke, like, I'm not, like, I'm going to call a spade a spade. Daniel Jones is terrible. It's yeah. not all completely his fault. Like, Saquon Barkley can't stay on the field. Uh they, they haven't really had like a bona fide number one receiver. They don't have the best play calling. So it's like, it's not, I'm not going to put it all on Daniel Jones, but how is he not more on the hot seat? Like, why is it that Drew Locke, who's actually, in my opinion, outplayed Daniel Jones in the short amount of time that they have started? And Daniel Jones is playing in the worst division in the history of football, not mm. just currently. Right. Like, yeah. like a six and 10 team, I feel like, won that division last year. And so <laughs> we're going to give him a passport because he was a top 10 pick. And weren't a lot of people shocked and like surprised that they took Daniel Jones? And a lot of people thought that that was going to be the Drew Locke pick or maybe Dwayne Haskins. So why are we giving Daniel Jones a pass, like as as collective football fans? Mm-hmm. But then Drew Locke is on the hot seat. Like, yeah, Drew Locke needs to be better. I get it. PFF's going to take their silly little shots because mm-hmm. they got to stay relevant because they base their grades on nonsense, in my mm-hmm. opinion. But that's another <laughs> discussion for another day. But they're not going to take a shot at Daniel Jones, who averages one turnover, like more than one turnover a game. But just because they're not necessarily interceptions, it's not a big deal. Like, why do we act like Daniel Jones is any good? We haven't seen anything from him. He's terrible. 29 fumbles in two seasons. And he didn't play <laughs> a full season either either that's, season. That's absurd. That is crazy. Absolutely you know absurd. Play, you know the play that he's known for? When he's <laughs> wide open running for a touchdown and he tripped on, what, the 20-yard line or something? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the like that's oh, the yeah. one play that you think of when you think of Daniel Jones. The Eric Decker yep. special. Ooh, yeah, exactly. Too soon? The Was sniper too soon? got him. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well, and, we, and we were talking about we were talking about he didn't really have a lot of uh a lot of targets, right? And I think that might be a little bit of a difference, right? With Drew Locke, he was like, you had, you know, you had Jerry Judy, you had Mm -hmm. Tim Patrick, these guys that could catch the ball and you still couldn't produce. I think that's the only reason I can kind of see that one or the other. But even then you look at that, we still didn't have our number one in Cortland Sutton, right? And that's, that's the guy that he built his chemistry with the year before, obviously a little bit of Tim Patrick, but the year before Tim Patrick was number three. Jerry Judy's a rookie. 
And and the one thing we got we got uh, the Giants picked up. They went out and got Kenny Galladay, and I don't know if they expect him to be the number one out there. And I think they do, totally and that's the unfortunate part. I still don't think he has much number one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and you know he's got he's got the contested catch skills that you want. You know he he thrived enough in Detroit that I think he could do a job there in New York. You know I wonder how Katarius Tony fits. Um, I, you know, this, this offense is super young and now I kind of feel bad for Daniel Jones, just in that way that I feel bad for Drew Locke, where now everybody's going to say, well, he's got the weapons. Now he's got all the things that he needs to go out there and be successful. Right. You know, I, I, I personally don't foresee a great season ahead for, for Daniel Jones at all, but it's, you know, still a suspect offensive line. He's dealing with a lot of the same issues that Drew Locke is too. So it's just, you know, one of those things where I hope he doesn't get the shaft. It's, you know, ultimately not our problem if he does, because we've got our own worries here. Um, You you know, we'll see what what Saquon Barkley can bring back to the table. But, you know, it's just going to be really, really interesting. It's a good matchup for this Denver defense, though, that offense kind of kind of wet your teeth. You're hearing about how this how great this defense is going to be on paper all offseason. You like that matchup first off. You you like the turnover prone quarterback with weapons that he's trying to gain chemistry with. Yeah, if you have to start the season on the East Coast on the road, uh, you can't get a much better pull than this. Like maybe if it had been the Jets theoretically, but mm. yeah, man, I I see the Broncos defense teeing off. Of course, you know, let's assume that everybody is healthy going into this year. I, this is a team that I see them absolutely teeing off on. Like I like Galladay as a as a player, but then how much of his success was predicated on the fact that Matthew Stafford is arguably the most underrated quarterback of all time. Mm-hmm. I mean, Matthew Stafford repeatedly put the ball where very few other quarterbacks would be able to and really made Kenny Galladay a star. And I think he's going to be in for a rude awakening when Daniel Jones is thrown in the ball compared to Matthew Stafford. And I okay. think now that Stafford's in L.A., people are really going to get a look at how good this dude actually is. Yeah. And it's a shame it wasn't until the end of his career that he was able to go to an actual real-life grown-up franchise. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. At the end of the day, the Giants offense is like it, he Saquon Barkley is booby miles, right? If you lose Saquon Barkley, it's the same thing with the Panthers. So it might change this year. They added a couple weapons. But when Saquon, Bar- Saquon Barkley goes down, that offense isn't any good. They yeah. built their whole offense around the talent that Saquon Barkley is. And if he's healthy, I mean, I think that he's the best running back in the NFL. But that's exactly the problem. It doesn't matter where your potential is if you're not on the field. That gets yeah. back into what I do. I keep guys on the field. <laughs> Beautiful. Love it. So <laughs> I, I think the only other piece, too, on this, and, and like I, like you said, David, I, I love the matchup against our defense as the game one because this is going to be a run-heavy team. Saquon mm-hmm. Barkley is coming off his injury. He's going to want the ball. He's going to get the ball. I mean, that's that's basically their whole identity is is to run the ball first and then let Daniel Jones throw his interceptions every once in a while. Like That's their identity. That's, that's how not they work. fair, man. He fumbles, too. Yeah, well, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> he, he actually he had more fumbles than interceptions last year. So he, uh, yeah, it, I'm sure it, he has that on his mantle somewhere. Well, and part of it's <laughs> to do with that is the offensive line. So we'll, you know that's a matchup for Denver that you've really got to be licking your chops at because as it stands now, you're looking at Nick, the from the center to the right side of the line. You're looking at Nick Gates starting at center, Zach Fulton or Shane Lemieux starting at right guard, and Matt Pert or Nate Solder, who they paid a ton of money to. Like not that long ago, and now he's in the competition for right tackle. Um, yikes! It's going to be really, really interesting to see how effective that is going into the season, and if they add to that coming out at training camp. Um, defensively, 
um, switching just the other side of the coin to their defensive line, that's really, I think, where the strength of that team is on, on the defensive side. You've got Leonard Williams, um, Dexter Lawrence, Danny Shelton is the rotational guy in there, which is ridiculous to me because he's super talented. Um, they also drafted Aziz Ojolari second round to be a you know young edge rushing talent who they can rotate in. Um, not a lot of guys on the back end besides James Bradbury, but what do you guys think? Do you think this is a team that's going to cause our I offensive line some trouble? Left Isaac Yadam off that. Listen, man. I was going to get number one corner. I had a special <laughs> section for Isaac Yadam. Um, that's I'm, my guy, man. Oh, right. <laughs> Boy, uh, you're talking who, about the vaunted Giants defense, and you yeah. leave out Isaac Yadam. The hell's uh, wrong with you? Apologies. <laughs> to, well, I don't know what number he's rocking these days. Twenty six in his days in Denver. That that's my apologies. I I, I forgot the the goat, and that's on well, me. And remember, they they went out and got a Dory Jackson too. Ooh. So it's probably going to be it's probably going to be James Bradbury and Dory Jackson. So just as as a those are going to be the two corners, which I I kind of like as we're talking about going in this. We don't know what kind of offense we're really going to be running. We picked up a great running back in the draft, and mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a lot more of him um, along with yeah. Gordon, obviously. But you see how see how with a young corner group, a young receiver group, and a young quarterback, kind of see how that how that plays out for Drew Locke. Assuming he does get the start, which I'm on the, I'm pretty sure he's going to be the starter guy. Uh, he's going to be the starter week one. But that's just everybody in the opinion. building, I would think, is hoping that Drew Locke takes that job and earns it. Because otherwise, yeah, I think you're in a little bit of trouble if Teddy wins that job. And I've said it before, but it, it, it's not necessarily a fixed competition. But I think it's about as close as you can get. They want Drew to win the job. You know, I don't think that they brought in Teddy necessarily to like push him or I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, not push, but like push for a starting job. I think they wanted a more secure backup because you look at Jeff Driscoll last year, who was absolutely brutal. Uh, right. They wanted something to fall back on. Then it's like, if drew lock just is, if he stays the same and he does not take any sort of step at all, then I think that hey, they, they cave in and they're like, well, I guess this is Teddy's job. What it feels like is the quarterback competition. I think it was in 2017 between Paxton and Trevor Simeon. Uh, and I've made that comparison, not to say that these guys are anything like those two, because Teddy and Drew are both head, shoulders, knees and toes better than Paxton and Trevor. Yeah. But in terms of how that was, in my opinion, a fixed competition based on everything that I heard from all of the guys that I worked on, it was absolutely Paxton's job to lose. And he lost it. He was yeah. so bad that he got beat out by Trevor Simeon and they were trying to hand their like, dude, take it. It's right here. Please just take it. And he's like, nah, I'm good. And yeah. I see this quarterback competition kind of being the same way. Like if Teddy wins, it means Drew was terrible. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He did the wrong things on and off the field. And yeah. Wow. Let's, let's not put that in our minds. Let's put into our minds. What can this, these, this set of receivers with Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant do against that giants secondary? I think you've got real potential there. And as you said, Jared, with Williams and Gordon, you've got a real interesting tandem at running back. This is, you know, it's kind of a, a weird offseason to be going three preseason games. I know they're not super popular, but I actually kind of like watching what the draft picks do in their first actual game action. And so, you know, especially for a running back, I think that's really useful information to glean. Um, just, you can't get that information with, with even with a padded practice, I don't think as well. Um you know, it's just going to be a really interesting matchup. I think it's one, you know, the Broncos on the road, like you were saying, Mario, this is a really good way to start the season. Um, defensively, good matchup. Offensively, you know, to start the season, it's a good way to say this is where we want them to be. They can, they should be able to beat a team like this if they're meeting not 
monumental steps forward, but benchmarks forward. You know, if they're if they can do this, this, and this incrementally better on offense, and they do what they do on defense, they can beat the Giants. We're just going to have to see from there. All right, let's get into the, see. I think this is really where this should, this is going to get interesting because the Jaguars, uh, the next next team on the schedule, first year head coach, first year quarterback. Um, what do you guys think about the Trevor Lawrence Urban Meyer pairing? They, they can't lose this game. Yeah. Bottom line. You can't go, and I understand that Trevor Lawrence, you know, a lot of people are saying is the best prospect since Andrew Luck, who was the best prospect since John Elway. I get it. He's an absolute superstar. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that Vic Fangio has lost to a rookie quarterback in his tenure as a head coach. I believe you're correct about that. So I would expect that to continue. Um, I think Jacksonville is still a couple years away. I think they've done a good job of like slowly getting back into it. And it certainly helps with having a guy like Trevor Lawrence. But yeah, this this is another situation where the Broncos absolutely need to win this game. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that it can be close. I think that they need to live in the backfield because that's, I think, the one big thing that the Jaguars, like, they're, they're showing signs of life or they, they're, they're showing that they're starting to turn around a little bit. They didn't do a whole lot for the offensive line, if I'm remembering correctly. And uh, that might be the most important thing aside from your first overall pick in Trevor Lawrence. Um, and I've heard that because they're starting in the East Coast in New York, they will not be flying back to Denver. They're actually going to stay out on the East Coast for that game, which I think is absolutely brilliant. Uh, yeah. That hasn't been released yet, but that is information that will be privy to the public, you know, when when somebody with a verified Twitter account uh, confirms it. But, <laughs> I tweet out, yeah. Sure. <laughs> but we got, we got um, some insider knowledge now. But they'll be going straight to Jacksonville, which I think is brilliant because if you look back at just the history of the Denver Broncos, even the times when they're really good, if they have to go play an early game in Florida – it rarely bodes well for them, even if they are, you know, they're completely overmatched. Um, yeah. That's just it's just one of those things that they seem to struggle with. So I like the idea that they're going to stay there. They can get used to that Florida heat. I mean, it's going to be what the third week of September it's in gonna be Jacksonville, Florida. It's going to yeah. be hot as hell. It's yeah. going to be uncomfortable. So I think at least giving them a few days, not having them fly back and forth for, you know, upwards of ten hours, I think would be the total the total trip or yeah. more. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's brilliant. And like I said, this is a game that you absolutely have to win. Jacksonville does not have the firepower yet. This is going to be Trevor Lawrence's second start. I think that Vic Fangio is going to sick his defense on him. And I think this is going to be a very rude awakening and welcome to the NFL moment for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. It has yeah. to be. It has, has to be. be. You yeah, cannot lose that game. If you, have, if you have any hope of like taking that next step as a franchise, this is a game like Giants – I think it's a little bit of a toss-up. We don't know a lot about the Giants, and a lot of it hinders on uh, Daniel Jones the way that we do with Drew Locke. Mm. But, man, you cannot lose this game because then you start, you know, worst-case scenario, 0-2, you're done. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think, you know, we can we can get into the players a little bit, but there's not much more overall to say about that game than this game than that. I mean, that, that's basically it. Like, like you said, they they haven't done much to the offensive line. You're go- we're going to bring everything to them, Re- regardless of what happens against New York. Regardless if we win or lose that game, this is going to be the game that hinders the rest of the season. And and if it's a win, yeah. then we roll. If it's not, it's I mean, you know now now you're talking about the you know the court of public opinion, which I know we're all very privy to with the Twitter sphere and everything else. The court of public opinion, if we lose that game, is going to be fire the the firing squad fire on on 
yeah. on week Absolutely. two, and we just can't afford that. We just can't afford be, on week two. Fired, it's going to be fired George Payton, Vic Fangio, mm-hmm. any yep. sort of coach that they can think of is going to be benched right. to lock and banish him to hell and don't ever let him walk the face of the earth ever again. Right. It is going to be the worst time that we have ever seen, and that's saying something on Broncos Twitter. Oh, if they lose, if they yeah. start 0-2 and, and, God forbid, 0-3, oh. You, oh, you might as well just delete the bird app at that point because that I mean, is really. <laughs> horrible. Really, at least you're gonna have to turn off those push notifications for a while because, good lord, you're just gonna have to go back to Facebook, man. Just go back yeah, to right. Facebook and, and, and <laughs> check in, check in with your racist aunt and see what minion <laughs> meme she's posting because yeah. Twitter will not be worth it at that point. <laughs> and I've been trying to promote the Orange Weekly MySpace page, but no one seems to be jumping it's over, tough. and I don't yeah. know why. Real, just... real, real, real rough. Yeah, Blogspot. <laughs> Nobody, not a lot of traffic on Blogspot these days either. It's, uh, you it's tried LinkedIn? Is LinkedIn still LinkedIn yeah, yeah. is still around. Is that, yeah, let's do that one. That's the one with no E between the K and the D, right? That's the, okay. Very 21st century. <laughs> I, you know, well, and you know, that's the other thing. I kind of like just some names that they've added to this team in Jacksonville. I don't know about Urban Meyer. I will be honest with you guys, just as an aside, I'm very leery about the Urban Meyer culture builder experience um, that I think is trying to be pushed as what they're doing in Jacksonville right now. Um, He's the kind of guy who can build a program, I think, but can also just hire all of his friends and create the Urban Meyer culture there. And then when that doesn't work out, you've got to fire everybody and start a whole new culture again. And how many times can they do that in Jacksonville and find any kind of success? even with a prospect as good as Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, but they're lucky because people down there don't care about they the Jack Myers. Like, are they even fans? Like, people go to the games because the tickets are like $4. This the is only it. thing that's important about this game. I can make some argument that's a, that it's bad for the NFL in general, but they make their money either way in the NFL. So they yeah, don't, who cares? Exactly. No, they don't yeah. care. The yeah. only thing that I'm concerned with with this game where I think that we could potentially lose is if it's like remotely close and then they put Tim Tebow in in the fourth quarter. That is the oh absolute freaking last thing that I want to oh see God. as a Broncos fan because I, we are way too familiar with that. Stuff would start happening like the ball would not bounce our way. Their kicker would make a 68-yard field goal to send it into overtime. All this crazy shit would start happening. That is I'll the quit. last thing. that I'll, No Tim Tebow at quarterback in the fourth I'll quarter. I'll quit. I swear. I'll I'd quit. have PTSD. I'll, I'm going into the basement. I'm curling up in the fetal position. It's just not. <laughs> you just be I walking here like, I've seen how this story ends. I watch Melvin Gordon do a Marion Barber and just like fumble when he should just go down. And it's like, I can't. And I'll, I'll quit. I, I know that's almost, as bad as, that's almost as bad as running out of bounds because you're trying to get a thousand yards and stopping <laughs> the clock instead of just staying in bounds and running the clock out. And oh, like, you know, you know I, but I digress. That's just, you know, just yeah. throwing it out there. Yeah. Listen, oh, um, my goodness. And it, so the other thing we were talking about, Urban Meyer, though, he just got, didn't he just get fined a bunch of money? I mean, yeah. I don't know how much, yeah, but he got fined like the most. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it's like you're in, you're, you're already kind of just. This is kind of a thing. Right, exactly. Right. Do do the Belichick thing and bend or break as many rules as you can before you get caught. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, he got caught quick. Yeah. So um, all right. Well, let's see. Jacksonville. I think we can just move right on to the Jets, fellas. What do you say? Yeah. 
Yeah. It's it's another game kind of I mean, we'll talk about it a little bit more in depth because Zach Wilson and his mom is super interesting. That's that's something we're going to get into. Um, but, specifically oh, yeah, his mom uh, yeah, or no, both of them, the whole the famous. Yeah. Yeah. The whole family dynamic because it's real. It's real messed up. Um, but man, it's going to be it's another one where I think that and that's the home opener for Denver. You have the Jets in in your building in your, in the home opener and you can't walk away from that game with a win. I mean, you don't want to be too dramatic. You don't want to say the season's over by game three or whatever it is, but those outcomes, you, you've got to win those games. This one, you know, another young, you know, rookie quarterback with a first year head coach. I like Robert Sala a lot better as a head coach than I do Irvin Meyer, but still that's, yeah, yeah I think if you if you look at their entire schedule mm-hmm. and obviously everybody's going to pick you know predict wins and losses aside from the Lions game maybe this is as close to a sure thing of a win that you will have not just this year but in the last five years like you said first year quarterback rookie quarterback first year head coach good head coach but is their season opener fans are back in the stands they're honoring Demarius Thomas mm-hmm. uh you know, who will be in the ring of fame in five years. So if you can't get up for that game, you know, the first real home game for the first time in over in two years, I guess, or like a year and a half or whatever it would be in this situation. It's like, yeah, again, like the Jets are kind of in the same place as the Jags. They're they're building something pretty nice. They got some good pieces. Mm -hmm. I thought that they had a really good draft. Um, It brought in Corey Davis. I was a huge Denzel Mims fan last year, but he couldn't stay on the field. They got Zach Wilson a bunch of weapons, and from what I've heard, like they love what they're seeing out of him, which they better because their two backup quarterbacks are people I've literally never heard of, and I try and pride <laughs> myself on being relatively educated when it comes to football. Yeah. I looked at these two guys, and I'm like, yeah, no idea. Never heard of them. Couldn't even tell you what school they went to. So they're all in on Zach Wilson, but yeah. it doesn't matter because rookie quarterback. Fangio does not lose to rookie quarterbacks, right? So can we just – Let's just chalk this one up as a W because if this is not a W, the season's a the season's a wash. I'm sorry. Right. I right. hate to be the bearer of bad news. You and I already said this about the Jags game. This for sure, you absolutely cannot lose this game. Home absolutely. opener cannot lose it. Yeah. And you know, like you said, I think they've got some really interesting pieces there. I like them a little bit more, I think, than even the Jags. Just, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker, I think, is going to be a really good guard for them. I think Elijah Moore is going to be a super interesting receiver uh, for them. He was one of my favorite receivers coming out, too. That's the guy the Packers should have drafted in the first round. Maybe maybe (laughs) we wouldn't even be having these Aaron Rodgers discussions. When their pick was up, I was like, they are definitely going Elijah Moore. Just one time, skill position player, one time, Green Bay. We're getting off topic. This is not a Packers podcast. (laughs) No, uh, but it is an Aaron Rodgers podcast. That's right. Right. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's what it's turning into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can't see, but we're all wearing Aaron Rodgers jerseys. We all got the custom (laughs) orange 12 jerseys already because we're that certain. Good Lord, can you imagine? I tried to to buy one off of Fanatics, and they wouldn't wouldn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) And And I had put it on Twitter. I was like, yo, Fanatics, I'm trying to make a custom jersey. They're like, like, that player doesn't play for that team. I'm like, bitch, I'm trying to give you money. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Like, right. yes, yeah, no, just make my damn jersey. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Good <laughs> lord. Yeah. Uh, all you have is a name and number. How do you know who I'm talking about? Like, you know, really? I, I, I get all my jersey from China anyway. They'll do whatever I want. <laughs> damn right. Yeah. Oh. It'll be it'll be here in three weeks. And it might say <laughs> and it might say Podgers, but it'll be everyone will know what I meant. <laughs> 
but it was only fourteen dollars. Okay, <laughs> that was right. <laughs> collector's item. Yeah, right. Exactly. All right. Uh, Jets offensive line. They've got some. See, this is where it's going to get bad for the Jets again. I feel like, and I'm. It's going to be real interesting to see if Zach Wilson goes Joe Burrow next year, because um, you've got Mackay Beckton. He's really good. You've got Vera Tucker, but you've got George Fant at right tackle. And I don't know if you guys watched a lot of Seattle games. But that didn't work out for Seattle at all, ever. Yeah, um, and, uh, Russell Wilson struggled eluding people. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's see what Zach Wilson can do. Um, and then you've got Greg Van Roten, Alex Lewis, and Dan Feeney starting for them on the offensive line too. Anyway, it's not a great offensive line either. Even you know, even with Connor McGovern, who's a serviceable center. Um, I mean, Denver wasn't chomping at the bit to keep Connor, and they didn't even have a center on their roster. That's so. it. That's it. And <laughs> you know, and now you know, we'll get into the Quinn Miners, uh, Lloyd Cushenberry thing a little bit later because that's going to be super interesting, I think. Um, but. What do you guys think about, you know, we, we roughed up this roster with Brett Rippon last offseason, uh, you know, and, uh, and they haven't made like a ton of upgrades outside of, you know, again, a nice draft class, but there's not, you know, Corey Davis is a guy who did a lot better with AJ <laughs> Brown next to him than he ever did without him. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying in a contract year. I mean, people tend to forget that was really his only good year yeah. or serviceable yeah. year even. And I'm not saying he can't replicate that success in New York, but it would be more surprising to me if he did than if he didn't. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, you know, defensively, again, it's kind of like the Giants in that they're really strong up front. And then they've got, you know, Marcus May at safety in the back in the defensive backfield. And then like I, I have no idea why they haven't signed Richard Sherman yet, but somebody has to play cornerback for them. And I don't know who it's gonna be. Jerry Judy might get to put a guy, another guy on a poster this year with uh, with that game. I think everybody will just be taking turns <laughs> that game. I, I I just want to say I love so we're we're three games into this right now, and and each one of these teams that we we're looking at playing these first three games are all either on their way down or trying to make their way back up, climbing climbing clawing back up to the top. And you could kind of say the same thing for us, right? We're we're kind of in the same situation. We want to make our way back to the top, haven't been to the playoffs and you know, since we won the Super Bowl, um, and it's kind of unfortunate, but it's, it's just, this is boding very well. Two away games on the East Coast is rough, but I'd rather have it against two up-and-coming teams or on-the-way-down teams. And then now we're talking about the Jets, who are a very young squad and haven't really done much in the offseason to make really big moves to to make it to the next level, I think. I I, I love this matchup. I love that so far we're looking at three teams that we could probably go 3-0 right off the bat and it wouldn't be too much of a you know oh my gosh denver's here to here to win the super bowl i would be surprised if they don't start three and oh right like they can they can even go three and oh and we can still have a ton of questions about this team like i would not you know it would not be perfect performances in any of these games i would think but it would be i can easily see a three and oh start with like a denver team that gets still like i don't know what you know, power rankings are stupid, but you know, is seen as a middle to below average team in the league with three wins. It's it's going to be really interesting to see where they go from there. But yeah, you guys, if if we start three and zero, it would be less surprising to me than if we were struggling. I think these teams, yeah, we've got to win these games. Yeah, I think you're dead on with like the power rankings thing too. Like if we're somewhere in the twenties when the season starts, if we start three and zero, I'm sure that there would be a good team that stumbles out of the gate, starts one and two. We will be below them in the power rankings, and yeah. everybody's going to poop themselves because they're like, "How's a team that's one and two better than the Broncos who are three and zero?" It's like, 
because the Broncos played three of the worst five teams in the NFL. It's like they need right. to be three and yeah. zero. It's like the first. I think the first real measuring stick is going to be Week Four, and I think everybody can agree to that. And one of the luxuries that they kind of have is they'll have these first three weeks to kind of iron out the kinks. Like I don't think that they're going to look good against New York. Mm-hmm. I think season yeah. opener on the road in New York, they're going to be a packed house as well. It's not a terrible team, but they're not great either. I just, you know, week ones are typically sloppy. Week ones rarely kind of live up to the bill mm-hmm. uh, that, that you make in your head. I think that that's a low scoring game. I think like 20 to 17 would be considered high scoring. Yeah, for you know, sure. someone, I think they're both in the teens somewhere. The Giants might even be in single digits somewhere. And then those next two games, it's like, you have the first three weeks of this se- of the season to figure your crap out. Mm-hmm. You know, this should be a confidence booster for Drew Locke. This should be a confidence booster for the offense. And this should just be a play day for the defense, assuming that everybody gets through training camp, knock on wood, and we don't have any issues on the last day of practice, nothing like that. Like, if they are completely healthy, they might give up 20 points total in those mm-hmm. first three weeks. Yeah. Right. And, and it's that kind of, you know, like you were saying, it could be sloppy, but I think that at least plays to the advantage of a team that has a really good defense. And thankfully, we've got guys who have been in this defense before. We're not returning or, you know, we're not bringing in a ton of free agents who are playing in the system for the first year. You've got Kyle Fuller coming in, but he knows the defense. Yeah. Um, Ronald Darby, you know, doesn't. But, you know, I'm not I'm not entirely convinced Patrick Sertan doesn't start at outside corner. Uh, to begin the season, you know, and from everything I've heard, he's picking up the defense incredibly fast. He'll be he'll be on the field, whether yeah. it's oh, outside yeah. corner, whether it's dime, whether they just like just tell them to go out there. Yeah, and they're just they're, like, they're going to find somewhere to play. They're, they're like, bro, just get in where you fit in. Like, we don't really have a spot <laughs> for you. Like, go talk to Justin; he'll tell you what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would be shocked if the first play, first defensive play in the season, number two is not out there. I'd be shocked. Yeah, I just want to. I just want to see Justin going out there like a five-year-old ta- first tackle football game, like putting him in position to like, <laughs> rush the quarterback or something from like the outside linebacker position, and then just, he like, does, go over like, to the left a little bit. Sack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because he's a freak. He's freaking amazing. I uh, like Broncos fans. I know you didn't get Justin Fields. I think you're going to be so excited to see Patrick Sertan play. I think it's going to be oh, incredible. 100%. And it's a real shame that how great of a pick that is. Yeah. It's completely overshadowed by the fact that some people thought that we were better off with Justin Fields. Right. And you're, you're completely entitled to that. And you know what? Mm-hmm. Five years down the line, maybe that ends up being the case, you know. But as far as where we're at right now, it's really like, no, you didn't get Justin Fields. But damn, man, is it hard to gripe about this pick? I think this yeah. dude, to, for, for my money, was the best defensive player in the draft. Not just corner. Best yeah. defensive player. Easily could have been top five if the league wasn't where it was at. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I loved it. And, I, you know, we were talking about the Justin Fields thing. And I'll, I'll stay off the high horse for a minute. But, like, stop trying to die on a hill that someone hasn't played yet. Like, come on. Like, they're, like... This is the oh, end yeah. of the world. Yeah. I cannot believe they're so dumb. Like, it's like, dude hasn't even played a snap in the NFL, and you're thinking this is, like, the worst possible case. Come on, guys. Just, yeah. just come on. Yeah. It's too, It's July. Let's talk ball. Let's right. not talk. Yeah. Let's not talk ball. Just you know what breathe, I'm talking just about? Just breathe it out. Just breathe just it breathe out. Just breathe it out. Yeah, have let's, deep let's, play, <laughs> let's play a couple downs. Let's play Absolutely. a couple yeah. downs first. Absolutely. Um, some people so, who so, – go ahead, Jim. One, one more thing I was going to say is we're talking about the first three games. So I don't know if you guys saw this, but the way too early uh, week one uh, Vegas odds came out as us being a one-point favorite over the Giants, um, which is, you know, being an East Coast game, um, you know, first game on the East Coast, 
uh, it bodes well for us. It shows that there's some respect out there for us. But like like you were saying, Mario, I think those first couple of games we we love. I love seeing those first three games being bad because it gives us a chance. It gives us a chance to win them and iron out the kinks that we need to for the rest of the, for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah, I think you bet the under and you know one point favorites is basically a pick of game. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 a toss up and it's going to be completely contingent on quarterbacks. Like the Giants can be a very serviceable team; they could easily win that terrible division if they get above average quarterback play from Daniel Jones. But I, I just don't see it, man. Like, and I granted I'm biased and I want our guys to do well always. But if we had Daniel Jones here, based on what we've seen from him. I would not feel good about going into this season. Like I get it that Drew Locke has a huge, huge amount of improvement that he needs to make, but we've seen what he is capable of. So we've seen him almost at his high, but we've also seen him like his highs are highs and his lows are lows. His highs are higher than Daniel Jones based on what I've seen. It's like, if I had to choose, I would take Drew Locke right now. Like if you would say Daniel Jones for Drew Locke straight up, trade him up. And I say, no, I don't want that guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so that, that, that's what we're looking at. But yeah, I, I, I see, like I said, I see them starting three and oh, first game is going to be sloppy. Defense is going to look great. People are going to overreact because mm-hmm. the offense won't put up a lot of points most likely unless they get a lot of turnovers, you know, in plus territory. But I think that's the kind of game that you're looking at. And then I think they coast the next two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know and, what and I, I keep going back to the Giants game, David. I'm sorry that I'm, I'm I'm offloading us here, but sure. going back to that night, we were talking about the quarterback controversy, and and there is something to say about keeping that co- quarterback controversy, not announcing a starter up until the game time from a coaching standpoint. Defensive coordinators don't know what kind of film they're looking at or for what the offense is playing. Like you said, I'm pretty sure in league circles, they already know. They already have an idea who's going to be the starter, but you know playing the media a little bit from a coaching standpoint, from a front office standpoint, isn't, isn't the worst case scenario, like playing it on Hey, we don't know who our starter is going to be on the quarterback side, making them have to look at both film for Teddy and for Drew. I, I think that's, that's something that we're going to see. I, I don't see us announcing a starter until after the third preseason game. We'll see. I kind of, I I'll, I'll push back on you a little bit, Jared there. Um, I think we, the coaching staff will be eager to announce that Drew Locke won the starting competition. Um, so, I, you know, it would not surprise me to hear even kind of early in training camp about how great Drew Locke looks in comparison or how many strides he's taken forward. And, you know, unofficially, you know, there'll be unofficially conversations about how Drew Locke will be the starter going forward. Probably, I think you're right, an official announcement won't, won't take place until a little bit later, but I think we'll know pretty early because i think they want they want to know pretty early and I, well, I, I hope so i hope you guys are ready for some overreaction i hope <laughs> that you're ready that when drew lock throws another interception mm, to justin God. simmons in training camp because we know what's gonna happen it is because All justin right. simmons is the highest paid safety in the league he's pretty damn good he's yeah. literally <laughs> paid to intercept the ball i even talked to him i'm like bro could you just knock one down like <laughs> i get it man like just one time like i, I have to see on twitter why Drew Locke sucks because he threw a pick to Justin Simmons. Yeah. I'm going to lose my – I'm going to pull the rest of my hair out. Ain't a lot left, <laughs> okay? Like, it is dwindling, all right? Patrick like, Mahomes I'm, threw... I'm really close to bigging it, but I will pull that crap out if I have to oh, see man. that one more time. Everybody like, – yeah, exactly. Patrick Mahomes, I think Justin uh, is the picked only player Mahomes. in the NFL yeah. who has picked him off twice or twice. more than once. And maybe there's one other dude, but that, – that, sorry, I – Got all wound up. 
and Justin no, was like, yeah. Ju- and you know, Justin energy. He's like, oh yeah, maybe I'll do that. I'm like, okay, you ain't <laughs> right. <laughs> let's yeah, just, okay. you know, and, and and if you're listening to this, and I'm sure you guys are level headed, just be calm, okay. Yeah. Picks are going to happen. Teddy's going to throw picks. Drew's going to throw picks. And it's okay. And, and here's the problem. Let's say that both Teddy and Drew go out there and they're lighting up our defense. Then people are going to be pissed because we're supposed to have the second best defense or, or top five defense, right? So no matter what happens, yeah. people are going to be mad. That's yeah, right. your choice. You yeah. can either choose to be like, you know what? Our defense is playing exactly how they're supposed to. This is a defense that is built to shut down the Chiefs. So if they're shutting down Drew Locke in this offense, that's okay. That's okay because they were built to shut down much more potent offenses. Now, if our offense gets our shots, it's like there's no balance. So just please keep everything in mind that shit happens at training camp. The only thing that you want to hope for is that everybody stays healthy. That is the only thing that you should be concerned with. Let these dudes do their jobs. Let the coaches decide who's going to start, who's going to be out on the field. And you just sit back, shut your filthy casual mouth, and enjoy the product that they put out on the field. And I know it's hard. I know. I know the last couple years has been tough. I get it. But you could not do any better. I promise you, if you are listening to this, I couldn't either. I'm not going to be that guy that thinks like, dude, this team would be winless if I was in charge of it, okay? I would have paid, honestly, I would have paid Trevor Simeon. After Trevor, what did he start like that year? The year after the Super Bowl, when he started 3 0 or 4 0 or whatever, yeah. I was ready to sign him to a five year contract. No shit. So I right. would not be any better. This is why I've learned to sit back and enjoy what I see. That's all I'm saying. Don't be a filthy casual. Can I say that? Yeah. Oh, I'm, 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 just please. I love it. And the the show's over. That's it. That's our clip. There's nothing else to say. I don't even want. I don't don't really don't want to talk about the Ravens because I feel like we know how it's going to go. Yeah. But but I will say, I will say, I'm very excited to see this defense against Lamar Jackson. I'm very excited to see that Mm -hmm. matchup. I think at this point, because of those first three games, this defense is going to be playing out of its freaking mind. I think everybody's going to be looking at this defense like. My God, what are we? What are we supposed to do? Uh, yeah. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun to watch because there's no way to game plan for a dude like Lamar Jackson. Like, what do you put? Do you put KJ Hamler back there for <laughs> scrambling, like right. just to, just to prepare for his scramble ability? But then you you have like a quarterback on the scout team, then like kind of trail him and then throw it. Like, do you Either just stack that? Like, what do you do? I mean. We're not going to put Kendall Hinton on the scout team. We've seen him throw the ball, but now just wait saying, just like you minute, can't okay. scout for it. I, this is this is a Kendall Hinton stand podcast. No, I do. I here. love Kendall Hinton. Okay, and you know, honestly, God, like I'm going to say this, I truly believe he makes his team as a wide yeah. receiver. The dude's yeah. not a quarterback, and that's okay. He's not yeah. paid to be a quarterback. Well, I guess the one time he was, but that was. You know, we're gonna thing. we're not gonna talk. Jared Jared will get real mad if we get real mad. Not enough three. I love Kendall team. Hinton, and I really hope oh, he yeah. makes this team. The dude was making plays, and I think that they find a spot for him. Don't want him playing quarterback. There, I, I see him. I see him coming in as a special teams, like a kickoff guy or something. Sure. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I, I would love to see that because. I, I, what he what he did he he brought some heart and blood into the Denver Broncos for a game that we were probably going to get smashed either way. But well, and I'll tell you, he, he came he, he came does, and killed it. And if he does make the roster as a wide receiver, damn, because that That's is awesome. a crowded room. That's very that crowded. crowded room. Crowded room right now. 
We're uh, gonna see. We're gonna see one or two, or possibly even three, really good wide receivers yeah. not make this team. I mean, the fact that obviously what happened to Deshaun Hamilton, awful. But you know, you take away that injury, they were gonna trade it. Yeah. And I know sure. Deshaun gets a bad rap, man. And I try and stick up for him as much as possible. I thought that he was one of these dudes that really would have benefited from a change of scenery. And I think if he didn't get hurt, he would have done really, really well in San Francisco because mm-hmm. he makes it like it just like he didn't could just couldn't find his footing. Right. Like for one reason or another. But, you know, how good he was and the talent was obviously mm-hmm. there. And I don't know if he was just in his head, but and it's a shame yeah. but that, that that goes to say, like, how deep the room is like a dude like Deshaun. Yeah. They like before, like, and he had one year left on his deal, and they were going to trade him. He was crazy. Get snaps. Yeah, I mean, he had a couple. He had room. He yeah. had a couple very out. good games when he came he in there, and if it wasn't for KJ Hamler being drafted, he probably would have been that starting slot guy. Like he, he has the he potential went, yeah. to be the your number, your number two, number three slot guy, like your number one slot, but like your number two receiver. He, he has that potential. 100%. He just did everything that was asked asked of him all the right. time that he was here and yeah he just kind of did out he went out and did a lot of dirty work his run blocking was incredible uh, we we can Very talk about former yeah. yeah yeah we can talk <laughs> about former broncos all day and we will cuz Derek Wolf is a raven now um but oh, oh man I, transition. Yeah. Wolf I like so that. much dude yeah, i miss the training camp fights and yeah. i miss i miss his sound bites man mm-hmm. i freaking yeah. miss a great Derek Wolf sound bite you know, a this question sound- that a question that no one has ever asked themselves, or a mm-hmm. thought that has never crossed anyone's mind, is: I wonder what Derek Wolf is thinking because he told you. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, you know what? This is going to sound super weird, and I'm going to say it anyway because I've had this was mostly bourbon, and now it's all gone. Um, I have always thought, you know, and I, I don't know of anybody who's been around Derek Wolf personally. Maybe you can confirm this, Mario. He had a very distinct personal musk. He seemed like the kind of a guy who had an odor. You know what I'm saying? Like when Derek Wolf leaves a room, you could tell Derek Wolf had been in that room after he left it for a while. Orange Weekly, hard hitting news about players' <laughs> odors. OBS take right here. I will say this: like early in his career, I could see that. I could see the muskiness. You know, he's got yeah. now he's got the Viking look going on. But here's the right. thing. Mm-hmm. Ever since he kind of settled down, he got married, he had a mm. kid, you know, the the woman that he married already had a daughter, so he's got two daughters. That dude is very well kempt now. You okay. know, like fair. I know the I know the dreads look dirty, they're not. Like he's uh, very put together. Like I I like, you know, his beard used to be kind of like scraggly and mm. stringy, but okay. he's he was patient with it, you know, he used some beard treatment and and it looks good now. Like the dudes, the dudes wearing Gucci and Versace on on private jets, like he smells really good now. But before he settled down, like mm. when he was early, like twenty thirteen through twenty fifteen, Wolf musky. Mario, I I know that we said the podcast was over before. Now it's like <laughs> I have nothing else. I literally. In case anybody it. was wondering about Derek Wolf scent, Derek, yeah, Derek Wolf. It's literally more than I could have dreamed of asking for, and I'm so so glad. I can't even describe it to you. Uh, it no, little, usually, usually little, he spelled little, like uh, he spelled like menthol because the CBD cream I use, you know, is a lot of menthol. So nice yeah, right. he usually smelled like menthol and you know did that for his own body. So Good yeah, enough. pretty much that or a, Wolf, or the the two thousand dollar cologne that his wife bought him. Derek Wolf, if you ever happen to listen to this podcast, and the chances have, are almost none, I'll have to send it to him. Please, like, please, hey, yeah, no, dude, we, we talked about you for five minutes, and it had nothing to do with football. Not <laughs> Not even yeah. a little bit. 
it was it was a pleasure to have you as a football player here, but it was a much greater pleasure to discuss how you smelled on this podcast. There, Thank you want you. some cutting edge content? Yeah, this is where you tune this in. Like it. you're not going to hear this anywhere else. Right. Give me a right. break. Not... Every all the filthy casuals are busy talking about freaking Drew Lock. I'm over it, dude. We're talking yeah. about what Derek Wolf smells like. You need to get on our level. I'm not even going to put this in the tweet about the podcast. People are going to have to listen to it. They got to get on it organically. It's going to be a pleasant surprise to everybody who actually does the work. <laughs> Little do I know, David jumped onto Orange Weekly, waited four years to have you on the show to ask that question. He's he's I, done now. It's, this was my plan <laughs> since Jared's wedding in 2016 when I was first asked to join this podcast. Absolutely the only plan I've ever had. You played the oh, long man. game, bro. You played the long <laughs> game. Here we are. Here we are. Well, there's anyone else's scent that you're curious about. Right. Oh, yeah. There's Just... the other questions. You will be asked to come on future episodes. I will have follow-up questions. <laughs> um, now, because I could talk about how NFL players smell literally all night. Um, sure. Let's let's finish up this Ravens team because, man, alive are we off topic here. Uh, you know, it's... We've been talking about offensive lines for all of these teams, and this is, you know, obviously this is the best team that we've talked about so far. It's the best offensive line that we've talked about so far. They traded Orlando Brown. He wanted to play left tackle, so he's going to play for the Chiefs now. Um, for a year, yeah. and then they won't be able to afford him. Afford him anymore. Right. They're going to be right. a poop creek without a paddle. He's, yeah, he could play as – he could be a top 15. He doesn't even have to be a top 10 left tackle. If he plays the 14th best left tackle in the game, this season, he's going to be the highest paid left tackle in the game next year. Yeah, just yeah, he will work for sure. Um, so you know, we but they still they put um, they've got Ronnie Stanley coming back. He was injured last year. He's one of the best left tackles in the game. So you you know, obviously a high level replacement there. Um, and then you've got Andre Villanueva coming in from the Steelers to play right tackle. So you know, it's not that they haven't. I I think they take a step back, but it's you know they found replacement level guys at a not crazy expense to themselves like i think they've managed to shore up an offensive line and keep it from having any real glaring holes which is so important for this team that runs so many ways you know they've got yeah you know gus bradley they've got um not gus bradley dobbins um, gus edwards yeah uh, gus edwards jk dobbins and lamar jackson they can come at you with any of those guys and they put all three of them on the field all the time um, they've got Rashad Bateman now, who they drafted, who's actually like I think really, really good compliment to this. That was a fantastic goal. pick for them. Yeah, what they needed. Yeah, with Hollywood Brown in there, um, you know, you've got Sammy Watkins, who is what he is at this point in his career. Uh, well, so yeah. if they're playing Week Four, mm-hmm. Watkins usually doesn't make it past Week Three, so I True. think we right. should be fine there. Let's not even count. It's <laughs> like Jason Verrett, the Jason Verrett of the offense. Yeah, I would be shocked really if that dude made it to Week Four in Denver. Yeah. Absolutely. And even if he does, you know, we've had him, you know, with the Chiefs, he's kind of been a non-factor against this defense so far. It's really the the offense against this defense that gives me nightmares, because, Mario, you were saying this offense, their offense against our defense, that's going to be an incredible matchup. Yeah. Um, But, you know, unlike the three teams we've talked about already, they have stars at every level of this defense. Yeah, Um, they are. They are stacked. I think the only way that you hang with this team you got to run the ball down their throat. You have to give them a really heavy dose of Melvin and Javante. You've got to be averaging four to five yards a carry. You got to bully them. You got to be physical. And I think this is what they built for their offensive line. You know, Garrett Bowles has finally established himself as arguably the less, the best left tackle in the game. 
Um, I think the whole reason they brought up Quinn Miners or they they drafted Quinn Miners is to compete with Cushenberry. I think he has mm. a really a very real chance of beating him out just yeah. from a pure strength standpoint. It's like a lot of times we saw last year Cushenberry got pushed back into the pocket, and oftentimes that's why Drew Locke was kind of drifting to his right, throwing off his back pocket. Again, not to make an excuse because he shouldn't be doing that anyway. But they pick up on that, and you don't draft another center in the third round for the second year in a row if you're completely satisfied with the direction that you win in. Um, I think Graham Glasgow, if he can get back to 100%, he's an absolute bull. And we've seen what can happen with Dalton Reisner when he's not trying to make up for Lloyd Cushenberry. So they've really built an incredible offensive line. And the way that you you beat the Ravens and you win this game is you control the clock. It's just like if you're playing Mahomes, you keep him off the field. You make their defense tired. You wear them out. You keep your offense fresh because if this becomes a track meet and you're having to play catch up with this team, you will not win. You will yeah. not play catch up and you will not keep pace with the Ravens. You got to slow them down, maybe take a couple deep shots, but stay away from Humphrey by any means necessary. Oh, you just got to yeah. pound this rock, man. I think this needs to be a game where Drew attempts 15 or 20 passes and most of them are check down, screen passes, stuff like that. And then you try and lull them to sleep and then take a couple deep shots and try and capitalize. Maybe you throw some some you know an end around from kj hamler on mm. or like a like a, maybe not a flea flicker i guess we saw that last oh. year that was the worst Ooh. shit i've ever seen in my real life. bad maybe real, let, real bad. maybe let uh Cortland throw another pass to timmy pats <laughs> like maybe see something like that um <laughs> but i think this is the kind of game that you pull out all the stops because yeah this is it's going to be this might be their most difficult game that they play aside from the chiefs Oh yeah, definitely. absolutely. And, and you th- you have to game plan against it like it's the Chiefs. I, just the same the same way you just said. You got to keep the ball out of Lamar Jackson's hands. You got to keep the ball out of the offense's hands. Um, and y- to your point, you got to keep it away from Humphrey. But then you got Marcus Peters on the other side, yeah. right? Like it's like who are you? What side are you going to throw to? The only option we really have is against this linebacking core. I predict, and you know, is way too early prediction. I predict Noah Fant or Alberto having a great great game they because both I think that's. To. Yeah, that's, that's where yeah, you that's need where you to. That's him. where you need to attack on this team. Exactly. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll expose. You know, and Jared. Jared I'm going to pick on Jared here a little bit, but I liked Patrick Queen as well last year uh, coming out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you've got to have Fant and, uh, and Alberto expose uh, Patrick Queen and, and their linebacking core a little bit if you have any chance of having success in that pass game. But you know, like you were saying, I think if the Broncos just have, you know, if we see an unexpected <laughs> offensive surge from the Broncos this early season. And it would not surprise me to see that come from these running backs. I am really excited about the the Williams Gordon tandem. Yeah, just a, a lot more than Gordon um, and Lindsey. And you know, no disrespect to Philip Lindsey, we loved having him here as a Bronco. Um, Absolutely. You, you know, I just he wasn't a perfect pairing for Melvin Gordon, especially with the coaching staff that we have. And yeah, Shermer Shermer didn't know how to use him, and and mm-hmm. that's okay. Like he didn't fit Shermer's system. He needs a one cut back that yeah. is going to bully people and that's exactly why they went out and got Javante Williams he's and the quintessential it. Shermer back he broke more tackles than anybody any college running back last year did Javante Williams and it's really ridiculous to just watch him on tape it's he's so it's, much fun yeah and, 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 and here's the thing man like since we're on this yeah anybody yeah. who gripes that we traded up for a running back like first and foremost like I don't know what happened with the the, the value of running backs where now people get upset. Like, remember when running backs were routinely taken in, like, the top five and the top ten? And yeah. so let me get this straight. We give up a little bit of draft capital, which we ended up getting back and then some 
mm-hmm. to trade up to leapfrog the Dolphins, who were 100% unequivocally going to draft Javante Williams. And people are, are upset because we traded up for a running back. It's like, you don't think that you're reaching a little bit? Like, I get it. The game is changing, and running backs don't necessarily have the same value that they used to. But in a league where you have to compete with the Chiefs twice a year, you're going to have to compete with Herbert and the Chargers twice a Mm -hmm. year. You beat those teams not by getting in a shootout with them because you're probably not going to win that. You control the ground game. You wear their defense out, and you keep your defense on the field. That's how you win, and that's exactly why you get a guy like Javante Williams. So if you're one of these people, again, that's criticizing the draft, look, they haven't stepped on the field yet. Let Javante Williams win you over, and then you're going to be so psyched that they traded up for him. I promise yeah, you. Right? Yeah. And, and these He's guys, amazing. these guys are reading. These guys are reading one line comments that we traded up for a running back, and that's all they're going off of. Like the the, the draft capital that we traded to get him wasn't even ours to begin with. Like yeah. it was it was something we I, I don't remember the trade, but it was it was something that we had like four fourth round picks or something like that. And we gave a couple of them away. Like wh- what? Like nobody. But then, they, but then they traded back into the third round, and then they ended up getting two third round picks anyway. One of right. which was my favorite pick in the draft in Baron Browning, who no freaking way he lasted the end of the third the third yeah. round. Are you yeah. kidding me? Absolutely. That dude is a monster. Oh, it's so exciting. Yeah, because I it, now that we've you know I think and we we kind of wrapped up the first quarter of the season here. Let's get a little bit more, more into these Broncos draft picks that we're excited yeah. to talk about. Um, just before we wrap it up here, because man alive, Baron Browning, you've got Quinn Miners in there. It's going to be super exciting to watch these rookies. George Payton's first draft class has been incredible, I think. Yeah, I think he knocked it out of the park. And, of course, every all these draft grades that you see, it's like people got to get clicks. I get it. Mm-hmm. You cannot trade uh, graft, grade a draft before <laughs> they step foot on the field. You can't do it. Like I can't even, yeah. I can't even say it. Like It's got me all verklempt, right? But if we're looking <laughs> at the metrics and we're looking at what we think these guys can be, they clearly win best player available. And I I love that. Like, as a team that you consider yourself to be competitive, you go best player available. And I think part of the reason that people were maybe not necessarily upset by the Patrick Sertain pick, but, like, shocked. Like, I was shocked. Not because I didn't like the pick, but because I'm thinking they're either going to – at that point, they're going to take fields, a tackle, or they're going to draft back – or trade back. And I had talked to Albright earlier that day. He said they weren't going to take fields. So I was like, all right, so it's going to be either a tackle or they're going to trade back. And then they ended up taking Sertain, apparently because they didn't think that there was any way that he lasted to nine. So it was a shock because they brought in Fuller and Darby. Callahan's coming back next year. They drafted out Oja Mudia last year. This is one of the deepest defensive back uh, rooms that we have ever seen ever, 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 yeah. ever. Like the fact that Michael Oja Mudia is technically your number five corner is absurd right. that you have that right. much depth. Yeah. yeah. And, and after we got- and after what we had to witness last year where there were like three undrafted rookies who got starts at some point, hell, they put Will Parks, a safety, in a dimebacker. Right. And he was playing yeah. the slot corner. Like that's how desperate they were. So yeah, I, know, I, I loved it. And I know Oge got picked on at the end of last season a little bit too, but man, I really liked him in the in the beginning of the season too. And the coaching staff loves what Ojemudia brings. I it's just it's so and it, you know, you've got Jamar Johnson too. What a deep young room, too. You've got, you know, top-heavy a little bit with some veterans there with, with Callahan and Fuller, um, you know, Jackson, too. But after they're gone, you've got guys who at least you drafted them to be the next guys up. You drafted yeah. them to be the next answers. And whether or not they are, you know, that's what you put them on the field to find out. But, you know, the plan's in place. 
it's just, you know, there's this hierarchy in this draft. I think that this is where fans get frustrated sometimes. And we're seeing a little bit more on offense now, but there's been this, you know, kind of draft plan in place for years on the defense of just, you know, replacing the players, having those replacements to hand when you need them. And it just hasn't been that way for the offense so far. Um, And again, I think now you're really seeing that change, you know, with KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, the young receivers coming in, the young tight ends coming in, definitely changing now. But I think it's probably led to a little bit of our stagnation on offense over the years, or at least a perception of that. Yeah, and I got two points to mention. Mario, you mentioned that you you talked to Albright. So we had Albright on the week before the draft. He told us the exact same thing. So we're over here trying to cash out on it. And he was, <laughs> and uh, no, he said that we we're going to trade back. He's I mean, the best guesser in all the land. The best guy. And he really, he's he really so did. Good but, at it. You know, and then you look at it and you're like, man, this all just makes so much sense. And it's funny because the Patrick Sertain pick, if you would have told me in January of this year that we're going to pick up Patrick Sertain with the, the fifth pick, I would have been like, absolutely. That's easy bet. No problem. Right. And then we go out and get out these two, these two corners in the free agency. It was like, well, now are we really going to go corner? And that's kind of what we talked about to Albright with too, in the same concept, like maybe we trade back. Right. But I love it. I love you're right. It, it creates this, uh, this deep cornerback room and hopefully doesn't put us in a position that we were last year in that game where we only had like two corners. Um, and, yeah, and that yeah. was, that was rough. Um, but the other thing I really liked about this draft and, and I, I think it's understated is what we did with the special teams. We could sit here all day. We had the worst possible special teams, right? We were bottom of all the league rankings in special teams, but we went out and got guys that can immediately step up on special teams. And it's going to be a really young kickoff, kickoff return team. But we got guys that can immediately make impacts in that area and work their way up to being the starting position. And I, I love that from the offense to the defense, we got special teams guys that can go out there and kick ass. Oh yeah, they're they're seventh round picks. Uh, I mean, Kerry Vincent they got specifically to be mm-hmm. a gunner, and I think it's it's one of those deals where seventh round pick, great pedigree at LSU, uh, maybe didn't necessarily have the career there that he was capable of, but physically has the tools, and it's just one of those low risk, high reward. It's like at the very least, you got yourself a really good gunner, which is one of the most overlooked positions in all of football, and if he turns into a starting corner. It's fantastic. You got him in the seventh round. There aren't really those expectations. And same with Seth Williams. Like, I don't know if he'll be a gunner, but I think he's absolutely going to be a staple. I think un- unequivocally he makes this team. Uh, it'll and it, I think it'll go back and forth between him and Tyree Cleveland. Between mm. you know they'll get some offensive snaps, but they're they're mostly going to make their mark on special teams at least this year. Uh, and I think that we're going to see like a direct competition between those guys. But yeah, Williams is another dude, big time playmaker, but is going to be able to make his mark on special teams early. And I think that's how he makes this team and avoids the practice squad. Yeah. Jamar Johnson too. I think, you know, a guy, I think this coaching staff probably has higher hopes for, um, but I think he's a special teams contributor right away. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They'll, they'll find places for these guys, right? Yeah. That's that's the beauty of Big Fangio. And what I've talked about Baron Browning before, the thing that I like most about him and the thing that I absolutely can't get over, and I don't know if this is anything at all, but his relative athletic score, which is something that I discovered this year and was absolutely fascinated by, uh, was 9.98 out of a potential 10. Like the dude is an absolute freak of an athlete. It's like he can be an edge rusher, but he can also be a middle linebacker. He can cover the tight ends like, shoot, man, maybe they drafted him specifically to guard Travis Kelsey and then potentially Darren Waller at some point. And then they'll have him edge rush like 
I think that on the upside, he could look like a Hassan Reddick, except he's more athletic. You, you know what? And I've been, and David's called me out at, uh, earlier as we were talking about Patrick Queen. I've been on the get an inside linebacker that can cover tight ends for the last eight years. I've been I on that train Queen every last year. Every draft, I loved Queen. I loved um, who he ended up in San Diego or in LA. Um, but the the inside linebackers that can cover the fast guys that can get out there, and I was I was excited to get to was get Murray. And then was that his name, Murray? Yeah, Kenneth Murray. That's Kenneth it. Murray, yep. yeah. So getting those two guys right would have been amazing for us, and I would have loved it. Um, so this this Baron Browning pick, everybody thinks he's going to be playing on the outside. I do think you're right. I think that they have him as a special teams guy. And someone that they can put out there to be able to cover tight ends. He's big enough, he's athletic enough, and he's fast enough to be able to cover some of these tight ends. I, th- I would, I'm, I'm so excited to see, especially when we start going to interconference games, all these tight ends that we have in our conference in our in our in the AFC West. I, I'm super excited to see what they do with the matchups. Denver, I think, was the perfect place for a guy like Browning who. Honestly, I think he fell just because he didn't have a definitive position. Mm. And he was kind of buried in a very, very, very talented Ohio State defensive roster. Uh, But you get a guy who is that athletic and who is that naturally gifted. And he's just an incredible chess piece for a guy like Vic Fangio. Like, this was the perfect setup. Like, there were linebackers that I had higher on my board, obviously. But at that point, awfully hard to pass on a dude like Browning. And because of the situation, I think this is perfect for him. Because you have a guy like Vic Fangio, who is the mad genius, who, like, that's exactly why you take Patrick Sertain, right? Most dudes would just be like, well, you know, we don't really need a corner this year. He's going to find a way to have Pat Sertain on the field. He's going to have a way, find a way to have Browning on the field. Whether he's a starter or not, like, you could see him play about 50% of the defensive snaps early on, and then that number's going to go up. Yeah. And it's it's just so exciting because when you listen to I don't know if you guys have listened to the Peter Schrager and uh, Sean McVay's podcast, um, but they had oh, who did they have on the other week? They were talking about Vic Fangio defense and why it's so hard to prepare for and why it's so hard to play against is because you've got these players in positions doing doing completely different things from snap to snap. You've got a guy like Justin Simmons or a guy like Baron Browning or a guy you know just guys who can do versatile things. And then you've got a coach putting them in versatile spots all over the defense. Sometimes they're up close to the line. Sometimes they're rotated in a too high safety look, but it's, you know, different personnel than you saw the last too high safety look that you saw. It's when you've got guys who can play all over the field and do these things with a guy like Fangio, who likes to put them in different places to confuse offenses. It's just, it's a beautiful thing to watch on defense. It's one of the reasons that you really just want to keep Vic Fangio around in Denver, you know, despite his kind of, I, I don't know about weaknesses, despite the challenges that he's shown as a head coach, as opposed to just you know, with his defensive talents as a defensive schemer, you can't just let that guy go. It's, it's too important to what he can do with defenses and, and how he puts people in a position to have success on the field. Yeah. He, he absolutely needs to learn how to be an actual head coach. Mm-hmm. And I think, and there are bad, bad habits of brain, right? Yeah. He was the defensive coordinator for pretty much his entire career one of, if not the best defensive coordinator for several of those years. You get locked in to a point where that is what you're used to and that's what you're good at. So by year three, man, like, yeah, he's a fantastic defensive mastermind and maybe you trade off some of those shortcomings as a head coach to be able to put a product out like on the, out on the field like that. But, man, if you want to take that next step as an entire team, they need to buy in that you are the head coach, you're running things, 
and you're not just like a glorified defensive coordinator. Mm, And that's part of the problem is he tends to forget that there's an offensive side of the ball to worry about as well. Clearly, we've seen what's happened the past two years with the offense, despite, you know, you could say a decent amount of weapons. The offense has not been coddled the way that it needs to. It hasn't been brought up the way that it needs to. It's like, yeah, it's fantastic to have a good defense, but it doesn't matter if you're not scoring points. So, and again, that was part of the reason that he brought Shermer in was because he wanted Shermer to kind of be like the guy that handles the offense kind of single-handedly. And then no one really knows what Donatel does because that's the defensive coordinator, but it's it's okay. But yeah, I I think he needs to, he needs to uh, delegate some responsibility, some more responsibility to, to Donatel so that he can oversee the offense a little bit more. It's like, this is how you become a complete head coach. All the best head coaches like Andy Reid obviously runs the offense, but he's a fantastic head coach. Belichick handed the defense, but he is the head coach. So he's got to find that sweet spot where he's still controlling the defense, but he's actually a head coach and he's acting as such. Yeah. And I wonder sometimes, and this is just my me pontificating here, I wonder if sometimes it's a little bit easier if a defensive head coach hands off play calling duties to somebody else and that allows him to kind of refocus on learning how to be a head coach. And I wonder just because, you know, if you come from an offensive background, you already got to think about things like timeouts, um, field position. You, you maybe he got... should just have somebody be in charge of the timeouts. Yeah, you maybe. <laughs> maybe have somebody else do that for you, Vic. Sure. But so, you, you know, you think about that stuff a little bit more naturally when you, I think you're an offensive head coach and it just translates as a head, when you become a head coach from offensive coordinator a little differently. I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking out of my butt here. But that, to me, maybe if you're, the if you're second, place, the second best place to talk out of, dog. Yeah, true enough. Absolutely. And, and quite frankly, if you can actually talk out of there, <laughs> go make yourself some money because that's not a physical skill that a lot of people actually hey, have. Jim Carrey made like $10 million <laughs> talking with his butt. <laughs> that's famous. Think, yeah. I don't think there's anything else we can say about that. I think that. that <laughs> Excuse me. Itself, may right? I ask you a question? <laughs> Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, fellas, I don't know. I think we've talked just about everything we can talk about here unless we were, you know, just talk about nothing for three more hours, which I think. Right. Did did you come up with your list of more uh, musks to ask about or are we just. just The list is too long at this point. (laughs) We're going to have to have a separate musk podcast. Uh, well, well Mario, that means you have to come back eventually, yeah. and uh, so he can have his long list of uh, long list of questions. <laughs> any, with Mario. Any, yeah, any time at all. Beautiful. Love it. <laughs> well, right. well, we're as we get ready to head out. Um, any any closing thoughts on? I guess we we'll probably go back to the original thought process of this podcast, the first four games. Um, uh, I guess just real quick before I go around the room, I'll start it. Uh, first four games looks great. I love the first three games being easier on paper. I do not want to see us go 500 in the first four games. I do think it's going to be a tough slide uh, in week four. I do think it's possible with our defense if everybody can stay healthy. And I think a big part of that is staying healthy. Um, You know, we had a full off season with everybody on board. Our younger guys coming in are already ready to start day one. It's not a a question on if they can or not. I I think we have a really good poise in these first four games. David, which guy? David. You know, first four games, if we, if we, do well, you know, I think we've got reason for optimism for the rest of the season. If we struggle in the first four games, I think we have a pretty good reason to think we're going to struggle for the rest of the season. Um, it's, just, you know, it, it, you don't, you don't want to overreact, especially since we're doing football in July. Um, but we can say, I think just looking at it right now, 
these are games, the first three especially, we, we talked about it a lot. You got to win. Um, if you don't, you're just looking at a season that's going to be lost for a better better term, lack of a better term. Uh, so we'll figure out who this team is relatively early, it seems like. That's a good thing, I think, all things considered. Um, and I think the results are going to be positive. Um, you know, first four games looking good so far, but, you know. I'm sick of I'm sick of not winning in September. God, yeah. I'm so over it. And mm-hmm. I know everybody listening is. I know everybody in Broncos country is. I know every player, every coach, everybody involved with the organization. They're well aware that, I, that they have not won in September. So what I'm going to say right now might sound bonkers, but I think that they are going to go undefeated in September into early October. I'm going to say that they start this season 5-0. and So maybe when we talk about the, the second quarter of the season, we can get into that. Um, I think that they, you know, kind of they, they manage a tough, hard-fought win in week one. I think they run away. Uh, I think they, the games will be close against Jacksonville and uh, the Jets. will be like kind of close in the first half, and then the defense will overcome it, and uh, they'll win both of those games running away. They'll yeah. be 3-0. and Their offense will just then be starting to click just in the nick of time against a very good Baltimore defense. And I think that our defense matches up better than any other defense that the Ravens are going to face. I think that that is going to be a very hard-fought game that's going to come down to like a last-second field goal, maybe even overtime. Mm-hmm. I think they win that game because after winning those first three, their offense starts to figure out and get in a little bit of a rhythm. And they're going to start this sucker 4-0, and boys. Let's go. I love it. I love it. Oh my God. With Drew Locke as the quarterback. Ooh. Suck on that, you freaking haters. Come at me. <laughs> my Twitter handle is at Mile High Mario. You come at me and say whatever the hell you want to me. Ooh. Please. 4-0 under Drew Locke. Eat your stupid hearts out, oh, you filthy guys. casuals. Boy, I'm checking around just, just my seat here because it is on fire in this apartment. <laughs> it is hot, and I am loving it. Bring the heat in July. It's football in July, and Mario's got his hottest takes, and I am loving it. Love it. Thanks again, Mario. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Uh, always come, come back again, hopefully. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, football in July. I appreciate everybody listening. Now, we, we have a special tradition here at Orange Weekly, Mario. Uh, we always end every episode with a very hearty, very strong Go Broncos. So we'll count it down from three, two, one, and then we'll give it a shot. What do you say? Three, two, one. Go, Go Broncos! Broncos. Orange Weekly. Fans, Brews, and Broncos News.